0: you know what everybody in the world needs? More uncertainty, more chaos in their lives, said nobody ever. Nobody who was in their right mind, at least, this is as far as I would think of it. Maybe you felt that tension in this year. Maybe you even felt it in 2020 as well. You know, we're only, what, two weeks, three weeks into 2021, and maybe you've already felt that Chaos of change and uncertainty that's going on with everything as it is It's kind of like feeling like you're in one of those tornado cash grab games you see on on Game shows and all that stuff or stuff where money's flying around all over yourself And you're trying to grab at it and and just grabbing even at sanity It seems like even the most basic things in life seem like they're in flux. I mean remember just taking one example you remember Back in the day when a cough was just a cough, I've been dealing with it for the last couple of weeks now as I came down from the the rush of december and and just going to the doctor and they're like, "Okay, you have a cough. well, we can't see you, so we're you know COVID tests and all this sort of stuff. It seems like forever when it was just a cough, and maybe it's a human being thing, maybe it's an American thing, I don't know, um, but it's like we. Like to live out the Invictus poem, the "I'm the master of my fate, I'm the captain of my soul," as the poem ends in its last two lines. And it's not too much; it's not to lay it out too much of a reality check. But how has that been working out for us? That idea of we're in control, we are the the masters of our fate, or the the captains of our soul, as the writer says. You know, if you have had a fleeting thought or had that as a fleeting thought in the last 10 months, that, you know what, I wish something were as it was in the past. Then go ahead and beat your hearts. I'm guessing I probably caught just about everybody. Certainly, myself included, that there are some things I just, I wish we had the before picture. I wish we had, you know, life in 2018 or 2019 even. Now, there's certainly no fault in that. God designed us as warm-blooded creatures. I mean, just imagine that. We have, as human beings, an inclination toward regular. It's part of our DNA. You know, if the physical body gets one or two degrees outside of its norm, outside of 98.6, it means something's wrong. I mean, it's, I know it's a simplistic example, but still, all the wishful thinking in the world doesn't change one fact that the one constant in life is change. So how do we deal with it? If that is sort of the given or the posit of this whole idea of how we get through our day to day, you know, what we do on Monday morning or, or Tuesday afternoon, how do we deal with it? How do we navigate in a world that feels like it's run more by chaos theory than by natural or even divine law? It's a valid question. It's a, certainly a practical question because we see it in the Monday morning. We see it in the Tuesday afternoon or the Friday night. Now, a little bit of an editor's note, um, as, especially for those who have maybe been around the Christian circles a little bit, and I'm going to hit on a passage that maybe you have heard before. But editor's note, there is a major turn coming in this message. Okay? So some of the ideas that I'm going to have early on, especially, they're going to sound like they come out of left field until they come right back to the pitcher's mound. So hang with me on this. But we're going to start out in, back in the Old Testament in a book called Ecclesiastes. One of those that you know, ought to be in a spelling bee to try and uh, trip up a, a winner or something like that. But it's from Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 8. It goes like this. For everything, there is a season. a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So allow me to break this down for a minute. I don't want to get too academic about it, but there is something about how it's structured and how it's put together that when we understand how the writer's doing that, it starts to make a a little more sense in a a bigger sense because it reads like a very rhythmic discord. It has sort of this, a time to this and a time to that, a time to this and time to that. And we can sort of see the patterns or the seasons when we're looking at life um, that the writer is putting out. The writer is called the teacher or the philosopher uh, in this passage. You know, being here, at least in upstate New York, we're in kind of around farmland for instance and we, we get we understand there's a time to plant and a time to pluck up or a time to harvest in other words there's a time to, to weep and there's a time to laugh that's something that we get there's, there's sort of an ebb and a flow to it and, and across the seasons of life we see these different things kind of happen and even starting out as it does there's a time to, to be born and a time to die And having seven verses in it, seven of these sort of back and forths, that's usually a reference to speaking to totality, to trying to capture the whole thing comprehensively, that the writer or the teacher or philosopher is kind of trying to capture the whole human experience in this poem, if I can refer to it that way. It's a poetic piece. So anytime we hear a little Bible study tip, (coughs) Anytime you hear a reference to seven, especially in the the first half of the Bible, think of the concept of completion or totality or comprehensiveness. So if this is the full package, life in kind of a nice neat box, then it makes sense to take comfort in the rhythm. That when we mourn, as an example, it's not something that's out of place in life. There's a, a place for it. When we lose, it's not out of place It has a season. Life just has these kinds of things, even if we may not wish for them. But here's the rub to the teacher's words, is that these aren't things that that we happen to do. They are things that happen to us. Here's an example to kind of paint this distinction out a little bit. Who, drop a note in the comments, if you had a say-so in the conditions of your birth, If you got to have a vote on where you were born or the time you were born or what your family of origin looked like and how it was put together, here's the fact. Just like I I said earlier um, about the idea of maybe having a fleeting thought that you wish something were the same as it wasn't before, the fact is none of us had a vote when it comes to any of the conditions that are around our birth. Who got to choose The last time that you weeped or that you mourned. Usually it's it's a situation that comes and you're in it neck deep. No warning. No setup. No, hey, let's consult with you before we give you something to mourn about or something to weep about. You get the phone call. You see the accident. You hear the heart monitor go to the steady tone. And it's on you. It has happened to you. Now, for that particular example, we can choose to mourn well, or choose to mourn in healthy ways, or certainly in unhealthy ways. <coughs> unhealthy ways, that's certainly a human possibility. But half of that list is stuff, is parts of life that we may, that we wouldn't wish them on our own enemies. You know, I asked on uh, social media this week, as I was kind of setting this up and, and Looking for some of those real life examples. You know, I asked, "What's some of the biggest or the hardest changes that life has thrown at you?" You know, there are certainly those that are good that we um, maybe changes that we instigate or that we we start. But there's also those changes that are thrown at us. And some people, one person, had said that actually a change that was both good and hard at the same time. Getting out of the ghetto when he was a kid. Another said, facing day to day life without dad in the picture. Her dad had passed away. And I I'm certainly one who knows all about that one. Or you see the steady flow of death before your own eyes. It's the kind of stuff none of these friends of mine asked for. Rather, it's stuff that crossed their life. And with it, it crossed their life with a A time to insert world rocker change here. A time to face life in a new environment. A A time to face life without your dad in the picture. A time to face life where all you see is sort of the worst that this world throws at you. Here's the fact. We are not masters of our own fate. We are not the captains of our own soul. So, what's the prize for dealing with such chaos and such changes in our life? That's the question that the writer asks in verse nine, and, and to spell it out, as I said, kind of my editor's note before, this is where things are kind of going to take a turn to left field, so it's hang with me on this. But the answer comes out of verse twelve and thirteen, a little bit beyond what I read earlier. I know there is nothing better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil. In other words, as I think one poet said, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. And God has put eternity into our minds and then it seems like refuses to allow us to understand eternity. It's like we have all this knowledge in, and we're thinking beings and you know we are the only creatures that think about the meaning of life and, and what's the purpose and why and sort of stuff like that. And yet we don't have the capacity to understand eternity. All because God is just a mean son of a gun who's just out there to paralyze us with fear so we comply. Where does all this stuff lead? When everything is happening to us and it feels like God's playing this sort of celestial practical joke on us, it's all about having a good time, the writer says. It gets us, end result, gets us to the opening of the book. In Ecclesiastes 1, 2, where it says, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Hmm. You know, Life Magazine, back in the late 80s, uh, asked an assortment of people about their understanding of the meaning of life. What's the purpose behind it all? And one, they Cover the whole spectrum of people, from people of faith to scientists to just everyday people, and they interviewed a taxi driver, and he said, "This is the answer to the meaning of life. We're here to die. Just live and die. I drive a cab. I do some fishing. I take my girl out. I pay some taxes. I do a little reading, and then I get ready to drop dead. Life is a big fake. You're rich or you're poor. You're here. You're gone. You're like the wind. And after you're gone, other people will come." and we're just going to destroy ourselves. Nothing we can do about it. The only cure for the world's illness is nuclear war. Wipe everything out and start over. Well, ain't that just peaches. Here is here is where the twist comes in. They said this is going to take a, a couple of turns. And you know, all these ideas have seemed like they come out of left field but I'm going to bring them right back to the pitcher's mound here. Here's the twist. This whole book Ecclesiastes is written by somebody without an active relationship with God. It's written from the angle of life is here on earth and that's all there is to it. You know, some want to say that there is liberation in the thought that there is no God. But no God leads to this. Meaninglessness. Random. Eat, drink, and die. The only solution is nuclear war started over contrast that because I I don't like to leave people hanging in a place like that I'm one who who likes to try and find the hope that that can come out of something like this that when the the letter starts or (coughs) or the book starts meaningless meaningless where do we go from here contrast this with a God with a relationship with God through Jesus in Romans 8 28 we know that all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to His purpose. And remembering that He can get us through the random stuff and the rapid-fire changes of life that, that life seems to throw at us. Even when we don't understand God's plan, we can trust in God's character. The character that Paul says just a few verses after what I just read in verse 32. He who did not withhold His own Son, but gave Him up for all of us, will He not with Him also give us everything else? That God wants, that God who wants a growing relationship with you invested his own son as a down payment on that relationship. Why would he not also see us through everything else to contextualize the words that Paul says? Because this isn't saying that this is, you know, God is a vending machine God and and why would he not also give us everything else? It's not like, okay, we can have whatever we want. But ultimately to tie this all together, why would he not also see us through everything else? See us through the chaos. See us through the changes. See us through the random and the rapid fire that seems to hit us every day. So this week, if you're facing a change, big or small, you know, on any scale that you're looking at, if you're facing a curveball or something else that just happens to you rather than you making it happen, Use these words as a mantra to, to keep yourself close. God, I hang on to you. That simple. God, I hang on to you. And then whatever happens around us, know that he will stay the same, that there is something we can anchor ourselves to. That's why I think the psalmist uses the words, my rock and my redeemer, my rock, my thing that will not change, that I can count on. Know that. And even better, rest in that. Let's pray together. God, you are our fortress, our rock and redeemer. The one that doesn't change, the one that we can count on. The one that has a plan to, to make all the change and the random and the chaos work out for your good, for our good, and for your glory. So help us just to hang on to you in those times when we don't know what's happening, when we don't know what the next day looks like. And give us that peace, that comfort that surpasses all our human understanding because of who you are. All this we pray in your name. Amen.